Hello and welcome to Fragmenters, the most entertaining podcast that I've found where you get to have a conversation with business women who are enthusiastic about life, work, and money. We love building up other women and getting them ready for their new careers. Cause, 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 no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Hey, hey. Welcome, welcome again, you guys, to another installment of Fragmenters. I'm super excited. I have Georgie here, and she is a DJ visiting all the way from the UK. So, Georgie, introduce yourself. Hello. I'm, I'm DJ Georgie Girl, known as the blue-haired hippie. <laughs> My little Monica. Yeah, I am on a, um, it's, it's a web-based channel of WFMU in New Jersey. Voted three times Rolling Stone's favorite best radio station in the world and it's brilliant (laughs) oh nice when you reached out to me for this interview I looked up and I was like she's in New Jersey but then you said you were in the UK so it's awesome to hear that they've branched out and they're doing online the wonders of modern technology yeah Mm. so you're a radio DJ is that like your title do you give us a a day in the life of (laughs) I am a radio yeah I'm a radio DJ so I do two shows a week one is on Wednesdays and it's called high-waisted modernists and it's I do narration and voiceovers over library music so it's almost like having a bedtime story on the radio and the other one is on Fridays and that's called the Flangen frigate and it's set in a fictitious pub and I play the best of like 60s and 70s British invasion music and it's lots and lots of fun and we have drinks and we, we we do fantasy things like we've gone into space, we've had a bus journey, we've gone on an aeroplane. And it, it's just this world on the radio with all this amazing music, like the Beatles and the Kinks and the Stones and lots of fun. Yeah. That's so. awesome. So do you have co-hosts? You keep saying we. I say we because every single show that we all do on WFMU, we have a playlist page. And on the playlist page, the listeners can chat to us as the show is going on. And the listeners get involved and they'll, you know, they'll suggest themes. Or if I'm talking about we're in space, they'll start talking about their spacesuits. So they, they, they buy into it and they take part in it and, it, and they run with it which is great fun. I mean, I've got one listener who is now the barman in the pub. So on the playlist page, he'll ask people what they want to drink and he'll make up cocktails. I have another listener who makes food for everybody. So he'll say, right, I'm just putting this in the oven, everybody ready. So it, it's become this huge community thing. And, and people, I mean, they, they get a lot of enjoyment out of it. And also because of the pandemic, when people were at home, they found it like a safe haven where they could just come for a couple of hours and relax and sort of escape from the world, listen to some music and chat with everybody else. So it's just a wonderful community. Oh man, that sounds like, uh, it reminds me of when back in my days when, well, not back in the day, I still play it occasionally, but Sims, you have your own little community and your worlds and you get to know each other and. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. So how'd you get into it? A very long, kind of circuitous, wavy route. Uh, when I was a child, sort of just short of being two years old, my parents and I emigrated from the UK to Canada. We we moved to Vancouver. 
And back in the day, you had to have a job to go to. So my father got a job in an architecture company in in Canada. And his new boss picked us up and took us to what was going to be our first apartment. And so my very first memory is sitting in the back of his car and the radio was on. And I could hear this DJ playing these amazing songs because it was 1966, so British invasion. But he was having the time of his life. And I remember thinking, this sounds like fun. And then I would just listen to the radio obsessively. There was a, a local DJ in Vancouver. Some people may remember him, Terry David Mulligan. And every single day for a year, my mother had to phone in and request my favorite records. <laughs> Otherwise, I would go nuts. Like I had to. And it got to the point where he would say, are you out there? Can you hear me? What does she want to hear today? And I was <laughs> obsessed with the radio. And I would listen to the radio like throughout the 70s. Um, but 60s and 70s, girls weren't DJs. Oh, there was one in 1970 and Nightingale in the UK. She was the first ever female DJ on the BBC. Oh, man. And the thing is, she's in her 80s now and she is still a DJ on Radio 1. She has never stopped. So she was like a hero to me. I mean, she still is a hero to me. And she was kind of the glimmer of hope that, well, maybe, maybe you could do this. Yeah. Maybe. And then I got to the 90s. And because technology had started to kind of kind of like people started to get computers and there were programs like Real Audio and stuff like that, suddenly it was kind of possible. Like people were doing blogs and the technology was there. And I thought, I'll just record something. I'll just I'll just see what happens. And I had one of those like telephone headsets. <laughs> There's me on my telephone headset at the top of my stairs on my computer, like saying, and here's a record. And I'd play like records on the computer and then just jabber over it and upload it to the internet. And people started to contact me and say, this is really awesome. And I was like, oh, okay. And it, it kind of snowballed from there. And I was involved in music sharing groups and got to know like a huge bunch of people. And you know, sort of life took over and I would go away and do other things and then I would come back to it and then I'd go away and do other things and got involved with hospital radio. In the UK, every hospital has a radio station. So the patients can like plug in a headset and they can hear music just to sort of keep them calm and keep them occupied. And I did that for about 18 months. So I was actually in a studio and just knew that's what I, that's what I wanted to do <laughs> but again went away did other stuff and then my best friend died and it brought it home to me that life you have to grab life you have to do what you want in this life so that's when Mixcloud was happening so I started to do a show on Mixcloud and then one of my friends from the 90s on the music groups contacted me and told me that WFMU was setting up a new internet-based radio station and I, I they wanted me to be part of it and here I am <laughs> so it was kind of a long journey but eventually I made it here yeah so long journey you said you've been at this three and a half years so that's 2019-ish, 2018? It was 
it was October 2018 was when we launched. So we're talking like 40, 50 years of dream. Yeah. Yep. That is so amazing that you were able to, I know that, you know, we all want to do it right away, but that you were able to see that and not let it go and actually make it happen after so long. That's incredible. (laughs) I was still, well, the thing is I was still doing bits and pieces like in the eighties, I had one of those like MIDI system things where you had a record player on the top and tape decks underneath and a radio thing under that. And I would burn through (laughs) tape, like cassette tapes because I'd make mixtapes, but then I tried to get creative and I would like, I would try and mix with the tape decks and I snapped so many cassettes doing it, but I kept trying and my cassette mixes were what I would have made a show out of. So I was already kind of learning it and making it happen just kind of privately. So I, I was always sort of thinking about it in the background and always sort of working on it in the background, you know? Yeah. Well, it's just so powerful that, like you said, there was one woman yeah. out there, yeah. but you still held on to that. That's that's something that I think we need to get out there that just because you're told no, or you don't see it doesn't mean there's a reason for it. Exactly. Sometimes it's just because it's not there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm so thankful that she was there. And by the time the eighties came around there, I think that they hired two more women mm-hmm. on Radio One. But at that point, it meant that there were three women on Radio One and they used to do a thing with Radio One and and Top of the Pops because they were both the BBC. The DJs would present Top of the Pops every week. And in the 80s, the female DJs started to be on Top of the Pops. So not only did you have DJs on the radio who were female, but they started to appear on television. And th- and then Nightingale did the old Grey Whistle Test, which was like this massive, hugely influential music program. So I I could hear them, but I could also see them. So again, it was kind of feeding the dreams in my head and kind of being, no, that could be me one day. I that could still be me one day, and I kind of held on to it in the background. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you have um, any formal education in sound or recording or anything in general? Nope, none, zero. I learned it all, YouTube videos, tutorials. I bought books and I taught myself how to do it and lots and lots of trial and error. And now that I'm with WFMU, there's a lot of technology that, you know, other DJs will help out with. And if, if there's a problem, we like with my mixer, um, with my microphone before I was just sort of plugging a microphone into my laptop where now I've got like a mixer and my friends at, at WFMU have helped me with that. So that's, but yeah, no form. Cause I mean, God, even in the nineties, I'd say even in the 2010s, there was no, there was no way you could go to learn this. Now there are DJ programs that you can join, mm-hmm. But back then there was nothing. So you you had to learn it yourself. And it was just like hours <laughs> of watching YouTube videos and thinking, okay, so if I plug this in, right? Okay. Yeah. And teach myself like editing software and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
that's that's pretty much how we learn everything in our house. We call it a certified by YouTube. <laughs> yeah. yeah, YouTube is incredible. You can learn anything on YouTube. Yeah, probably even brain surgery. There's probably a brain surgery tutorial on there. I yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't follow that one personally. No. No. Pause here. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's how I learned about podcasting. So. Hmm. We'll see how it goes. I know that, I don't know. I'm assuming that part of your obstacle is probably fear-based as to why it took so long, but what is your biggest obstacle or was your biggest obstacle in pursuing this passion? I'd say self-confidence because, because there was only one person that I could look at. I didn't. I didn't see enough women doing what I wanted to do so that it kind of fostered my own confidence. There was almost a sense, and I mean, no disrespect to Anne Nightingale. She is incredible at what she does. But when I was a teenager, I would look at her and think, well, she's lucky or she went to school or she did whatever. Like, I'm never going to be that person. So it was a self-confidence thing definitely for me but then as more and more women started to do it and particularly in the 90s because the whole rave scene happened in the UK and there were loads of female DJs loads suddenly everywhere you could see female DJs and it was almost like an epiphany for me because I was thinking well hang on a minute where did all these women come from well if they can do it maybe I can do it mm-hmm. And, and that's when the self-confidence started to grow. And like I say, the technology was there. So I kind of combined the two and thought, well, if I fail, no one's going to listen anyway. <laughs> thing. And then, yeah, it just kind of took off from there. Yeah. So, yeah, self-confidence, I would say. Did you have any, um, like when you tried to reach out and do it, did you have any blockages or anything or was this mostly an internal battle you had to get through it was internal I I, because at the time in the 90s everybody was so excited by the fact that you know suddenly you could talk to people on the other side of the planet in real time so everybody was so blown away by how exciting it all was that everybody was helping everybody else and I mean I had friends female and male who were doing internet-based radio shows. And we all had like our little blogs and whatever. And everybody was listing everybody else's shows and saying, go and listen to this. This is awesome. And we were all into like the same kind of music. And so, you know, it was a community. But yeah, everybody was really excited about it. So so all the blockages, like you said, they were all internal. Like, I don't know if I'm good enough because I, I haven't really had, there was no kind of roadmap. I suppose is the best way to put it. Right. Yeah. The one, the first ones, they were the pioneers to help women like you to get to where you wanted. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I wanted to circle back a little bit. Um, You said that the first DJ, I think her name was Anne, right? Yeah. Anne Nightingale. Yeah. Yeah. Anne Nightingale. You said that when you saw her or heard her on air, you thought to yourself, she's lucky or, you know, she went to school or she knew someone. And I, the, the more people I talk to, 
the more I hear this same thing and I've thought the same thing. And now that I'm at where I'm at, I get a lot of, oh, Dina, you're just so lucky. And that's why you were able to get there. Yeah. I actually don't believe in luck. (laughs) No, but but it's part of our conditioning as women that there it's it's like this weird funnel where only so many of us can get through that funnel at the moment and so we think well those are the lucky ones who got through the funnel and it's it's literally just the conditioning it's not because she's awesome that's why she's gone through because she's awesome we're still conditioned to think oh well ah well you know she's tall (laughs) The, the you know yeah I heard this thing years ago and it's about minority groups and what happens. So you have your majority group and then you have, say, five minority groups. Mm-hmm. And because of the conditioning, the five minority groups don't look at each other and think if we link arms, there's more of us and we're stronger than the majority group. What they do because they're frightened and because they're conditioned is they look at each other and think, if I kill you, there's less of you and I'll succeed, but don't realize that there's still too, too few of them. Does that make sense? Oh, that we're yeah. not linking arms with each other, which is what we should be doing and going, hey, come on, we've got this we can lift each other up. And I think that's part of the thing with why, you know, why traditionally we look at other women and think, well, well, I mean, look at her, you know, instead of saying good on you girl. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. They can't see, but you can, but I'm kind of welling up a little bit. I got chills when you said that because that is my whole dream for this podcast is we're women, everyone on here, is a badass. We've done yeah. something amazing. We were, you were the first woman on air in you yeah. or in the UK for your uh, WFME, oh. correct? So the web channel that I'm on is called Sheena's Jungle Room. And originally there were five of us who were going to start the channel and we had technical issues right at the last minute. And so it was a last minute thing. I was supposed to go on a couple of days after we launched. And because of the technical issues, it it sort of changed around and I got the email to say, right, you're up. And so my, my show went on first and I was the first voice that was heard on this brand new station called Sheena's Jungle Room. I have no memory of this because I was terrified. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, hi. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm just, it blows my mind. Yeah. Absolutely blows my mind. Yeah. First voice ever heard on the new station. That is an amazing feat. And I've had some accomplishments we talk about. Obviously, I'm on here every time. So everybody's heard them. But we opened the first selfie studio in Idaho here. Which is fantastic. I'm, yes. (laughs) And just because I've accomplished that, it doesn't mean I'm better than anyone else here. Or that... I think less of, or you think less of me because you were the first woman to ever be first voice. And it was a woman on your radio show. We're, I guess what I'm trying to say is that we're supportive. Yes. We're pioneering like those female DJs in the nineties for you. We're pioneering for the women now that we 
can celebrate each other without it affecting anyone negatively. My accomplishment doesn't demean you and yours doesn't make me any worse. It just empowers everyone. (laughs) This is the thing. This is the thing. And it's because of the millennia of conditioning. Because the conditioning, I'll say this briefly, the conditioning is that as long as women are fighting with each other, we're not turning around and looking at the majority and going, uh, no, I'm not going to play that game anymore. But the thing about women is that one of the things that we do best is we are nurturing and supporting. And so what I think is beautiful and refreshing is starting to see women like we're waking up and we're going, hang on a minute. My power as a woman is support. So I'm going to support all the women around me because this is what we do best. We 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 rock when we lift each other up. We're really good at this. We're great at taking care of each other. We're great at, at, at championing each other and cheerleading each other. We are really, really good at this. And and so it's it it's it's like a loop. It's like, okay, well, I'm good at this. And then everybody else gets lifted up. So we get stronger. And because we're stronger, we do even more lifting up and we just keep getting stronger and stronger. And that is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, we're good at this. Yeah. And I love. Sorry, I have so many thoughts going. <laughs> <laughs> I love the uh, women getting out there more because yeah. we're seeing a different way of success. Yeah. We're seeing a different way of doing things, of running a business. You can be incredibly successful and have money and fulfill your dreams, have your house, whatever it is that your desires are. And do it in your feminine, have it in a nurturing way, not have it in this bulldozing masculine, which does work. There's nothing wrong with it, but there's nothing wrong with the feminine and doing it in a flowy and slower paced way. I was working in the eighties and this was the first time, certainly in the UK, that women were in the workplace on a full-time basis, like not just doing like part-time work or whatever. We had full-time job, we had careers. Mm -hmm. And I saw this really interesting documentary, which was talking about fashion in the eighties and how, you know, like in the eighties, you think of women as with these massive shoulders and big hair. And that was specifically so that women felt empowered because women were going into the workplace are clothing and our hair meant that we took up more physical space so it empowered us to walk into a boardroom and do our job because we felt bigger and I was my mind was blown by this concept I cannot it makes so much sense but that is so amazing and I mean, if you think about the the when the women movement was happening and they were burning bras, disco mm-hmm. started coming. They started getting the giant platform shoes and the bell bottoms that were super big. I have full body chills. That's isn't that incredible? Incredible. <laughs> yeah. Like literally, we are. We were bigger. We were physically bigger. 
And then that gave us the confidence to start doing these things. Mind-blowing. Yeah, because I'm thinking back in the day, they, I mean, flappers, they had a little bit of the the stuff with their dress, but they all had the tiny short hair and they were demure. Oh my gosh, I never put that together. (laughs) Well, because it was... In the documentary, they were saying that the 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 first time this had been done was in the 40s. So the men went off to war and the women stayed behind, but they started doing the work because there was no workforce. And again, if you look at the 40s, women have big shoulders. Mm-hmm. So again, the fashion changed so that women were more empowered in the workplace. And it's just like, this is insanely brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So why do you feel it's imperative for women to work in your field? I mean, one, visibility. Absolutely, visibility. Because we are the legacy makers. We are the ones that the younger generations are going to look and say, wow, look at all these women DJs. I love music. I love DJing. I could do this. So it's important to have a presence. But also, it's important to hear different voices and different ways of doing things and so when you have you know if you have female DJs if you have DJs of color if you have LGBT DJs you are hearing different stories you are hearing different takes on things um you know you'll hear different kinds of music and it, it's an enriching experience it's a diverse experience you're not just doing no I'm not saying that you know men play the same records but it's you will hear a different perspective and and that's important absolutely oh for sure it reminds me of a conversation I just had with a co-worker of mine we were we we're just talking about life and like plans on the weekends and she was telling me about her husband's family and they have come from wealth Mm. like they're very wealthy and she's like I absolutely love them they're the sweetest most down-to-earth people but there was this one time I was sitting there having a conversation with his uncle and he looked at us and he said well I don't understand why you guys are renting why don't you just go out and buy a house pay money for it it's much easier Mm. And she's yeah. like, it it blew my mind because I just wanted to say, I don't have a house worth amount of money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she's like, it wasn't disrespectful. It was just sheer. They grew up in that and they don't understand anything else. Yeah. And if we don't have voices out there, like you said, women, minorities, LGBT, just every voice out there if we don't have them we don't know what we don't know exactly exactly there was was an interview years ago with um princess anne and the interviewer said what's it like being a princess and she said i have no idea because i've always been one i have nothing to compare it to i don't this is just my life i have no idea how to answer that question yeah Yeah. no you don't know what you don't know so you, most people think of being a DJ as, oh, I get to be on the air and I get to play my music, but really you have so much power to get information out there and to share things. That's, I'm just getting oh. my mind blown. <laughs> I mean, this was brought home to all of us. Um, we'd been on the air for 
just over a year, little over a year, and then lockdown happened. The pandemic happened and every country went into lockdown. And the kind of gravity of it hit all of us that we were the voices that were going to keep people calm and keep people entertained and keep people happy and just say, it's okay, we're here. We'll play music for you and we'll make you laugh and we'll we'll keep you company, we'll keep you entertained, which is a huge responsibility, massive responsibility. And I mean, you know, on a more serious note, DJs are ones who they announce world events, they announce the news, they, you know, they're, they're this really important voice. So yeah, it is a huge responsibility. And I mean, I, I love what I do and I'm passionate about music and I have the most fun, but at the same time, I do take what I do really, really seriously because my, my listeners, any listeners, they are taking time out of their day to listen to me. So I have to respect that. Also, there's going to be at least one listener who's had just the worst day possible. Like awful things have happened to them. And they've come to me because they want to listen to some music and forget about it for a while and just relax. And it's my responsibility to do that for them. And to give them a good time. They don't want to listen to my problems. They want to know that there's this safe place they can go to where they can just be happy for a couple of hours. And I take that really, really seriously. And I I think it's part of a nurturing thing as well. It's part of a caring, nurturing thing that I just want everyone to be happy and safe and create an environment for them. But yeah, I mean, there are responsibilities that go with being a DJ, definitely. So you bring up nurturing and one thing that I like to cover is, do you have children? Yes, I have a daughter. You have a daughter. So how has doing this career, moving into something that can be so time consuming and hard to break through those barriers, how has that uh, affected being a parent? I mean, for us, it's, it's not an issue because... Hang on, I need to do the math. So I'm 57 and she's, <laughs> got two maths. Hang on, <laughs> hang on. She's 33. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a, um, she's not a small child. Mm-hmm. So that part doesn't matter. I mean, the one thing, and this is a funny thing. So on High Wasted Modernist, I do narration and she doesn't listen to it because she said, you're doing mum bedtime story voice. And if I listen to it, I'll fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, she's really proud of me. She's very proud of me and she supports me all the way. But yeah, we, we don't have like a, a small child mother relationship. So not an issue. Well, I, I, it's not really an issue thing. Um, just how it has impacted because I know that seeing someone not follow their dream can impact you growing up. But Mm -hmm. even as an adult, for her to see my mom that mothered me and did everything she could in order to get me here, I'm on my own, I'm grown, and now she's finally following her passion. I just, I don't know you, and I just want (laughs) to kind of applause she, she said she she likes to see me do my shows because she said I just light up 
when I do it. And she said, oh, I'm going to get emotional. She said, it's just so lovely for her to see me be so happy. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's kind of a, what I was, not the tears, not what I was pushing for, but <laughs> the, I, it's got to be, she's got to be proud. And it sounds like she is for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. If someone's looking to be a DJ or somewhere in the music business, what do you have any advice for them on how to get into it or what to think of pursue anything? I would say, first of all, do what you love. If you, if you love country music, play country music. There is so much technology out there. So many, I mean, there's, there's editing software that's free. There are platforms you can go on like Mixcloud. So say you like country music, pick your 10 favorite country music songs and make a little mixtape in something like Audacity and buy yourself like a cheap headset and just talk. Say why you like the music. Why does it make you happy? Why are you passionate about it? What's so great about it? And just put together a little thing and stick it on Mixcloud. Tell all your friends about it. Get them to listen, give you feedback and keep doing it. And you will get better and better and better. And, you know, I don't know, maybe you've got a local college radio station. Talk to them. Say, hey, I've got this show on Mixcloud and I play fabulous country music. I'd love to know what you think and put yourself out there. But start with something that you you love, you absolutely love, and put yourself a little show together. And like we said at the beginning, there are 9 million YouTube videos <laughs> that will tell you how, how you use editing software, how you can post something to Mixcloud, um, what is the best budget equipment you can buy so that you can talk to people, all these kinds of things. Yeah, put, put together like a little half-hour thing. Of, of your 10 favorite songs and then talk in between. And the other thing I would say is listen to other people doing radio. F figure out how they do it. Do they, do they talk for 10 seconds between records? Are they, do they do joke stuff? Do they, you know, like listen to it, analyze it. How does a radio show work? How does it flow? That kind of thing, you know, learn. Don't dive in and learn and keep doing it and make mistakes because making mistakes is how you can learn how to do things. Definitely. Yeah. I was, I will tell you a funny story. When I was on hospital radio, one of the first shows I did and I had my headphones on and I'm talking on the microphone and like it sounded like this. It was really quiet. <laughs> and I'm turning the knobs up and I'm turning the knobs and I literally had them like a hundred percent. And it sounded like I was in another room, could not understand this. And I'm live on the air. And the next day I called the engineer in and said, I think there's something wrong with the microphone. And he said, fine, which one were you? And I pointed at it and I pointed at the mixing desk and he said, yeah, you had the microphone on that's on the other side of the studio. That's why it was. <laughs> and I'm screaming into this thing. And I was live on air, but you're going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And that's how you learn not to do that again. Or to, you know, whatever. Or to call the engineer in the middle of the show. <laughs> I can't hear myself. What's <laughs> happening? Yeah. That's funny. 
I never did that again. <laughs> I bet those are, I've noticed that, uh, especially for strong-willed, stubborn people like myself, the <laughs> best lesson I learned is when I made a fool of myself or, or, uh, made a big mistake. Well, no. nine times out of 10 on the air, people don't notice. And the one time they do notice, just own up to it. Just make a joke about it and just say, I'm sorry, I just hit the wrong button. Mm-hmm. And they'll laugh and, and you're human and they know you're human. So, yeah. That's what yeah. I was going to say. How dare you be human? <laughs> 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 what is the best advice that you've ever received? It can be personal or professionally or both. Okay. Um, certainly professionally um for doing the radio is talk to one person when you're on the mic because it can be overwhelming if you turn your microphone on and you think you know 20 million people are listening to me and and you put the microphone on and you just kind of go hello (laughs) and also if you say you picture your best friend and you turn the microphone on and you say hi it's got this amazing record you are going to love this it's really natural because you're talking to that one person and you know how you guys interact with each other. Mm-hmm. And it it just, it just you sound natural. You, you don't sound like you are on the radio, <laughs> which is terrible. And that, that's a really, it, it helps calm your nerves and it just helps it sound smooth, natural, flowing, wonderful. Yeah, talk to one person. I know some DJs, they tape a teddy bear to the top of their monitor and they talk to the teddy bear. (laughs) Well, you say that's good advice for someone who's being a radio DJ, but I can see so many instances Mm. like I'm going to use that for when I'm just talking to the mic now and I don't have someone that I'm interviewing. That's so ingenious. Or it's kind of like the uh, picture everyone naked. So you're more vulnerable instead of doing that, because that's, that's never worked for me. Like it just makes me laugh. Yeah. Ridiculous. You, just, you don't want to go into a meeting, just burst out laughing. Cause you're like, I can feel your bottom. No, no, it doesn't work. Yeah. So I can see it for speaking for just about anything. Just mm. chit chat with your friend. Yeah. That's genius. Yeah. And also because you are talking to one person, your listener hears you saying, hey, you, I've got a great record. And because it's conversational, it sounds like you're talking to them. So you then build up a relationship with them. And then that's what radio is about. Radio is community and relationship and connection. And it's the best way to build a connection with a listener is to say, hey, you know, I talked to you about the Beatles last week. I found something fantastic. Do you want to have a listen? And they're listening to you and going, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So it's an instant connection. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm. I see you. I hear you. I'm here with you. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Mm. Being, a radio, blah, 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 blah. Being a radio DJ, for me, sounds like a blast. But what do you do outside of it? Do you have any hobbies, any? I I like to dance. 
nothing sort of structured or anything. I just like to put on headphones and just have a good old dance. Mm-hmm. And I like going for long walks. It's it's important to go out because the, the thing about being a DJ is you are bound to a desk. Mm-hmm. And because I broadcast from home because it's on the internet, I'm sort of stuck in my house. So it's important to go outside and get some fresh air and a new perspective. But the the and I mean I I do things like crafts, I crochet, I knit. So sort of handicrafts, because again, it gets you out of your brain. But the thing about, I mean, I do two shows, which is three hours a week. There's a lot of work that goes into it. It's a huge amount of work. I do, I do five days a week getting my shows ready. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a lot goes into it. Because you've got it, you've got to come up with a theme, a playlist, artwork. You have to edit it. You have to figure out what you're going to say. You have to record your vocals. You have to do all the social media. There's a lot involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, so I try. I but I try and do things that are kind of the opposite. So it's more things to do with my body, like dancing and walking, and more things to do with my hands, like arts and crafts, rather than the DJing, which, which is quite cerebral. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I like to, I like to share what we do because when I was little and I saw successful people, Hmm. successful women specifically, all I thought they did was work Hmm. and we can't. (laughs) No. Well, that's something that I have to be very careful of because I am, I, I kind of get laser focused mm-hmm. and I, I I do run the risk quite a lot of burning out and getting overly stressed because, I mean, I, I love music and I would happily just sit here for 24 hours and listen to music and edit it. But I know that I have to eat and I have to sleep and I have to go for a walk and, you know, you need to find the balance. It's like anything. You, you have to find a balance in life. Right. Yeah, Definitely. So it's good to hear you have one. It's a work in progress, but. (laughs) I mean, aren't we always and forever a work in progress? Yeah. 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 So you got questions for me? Anything? What made you decide to do podcasting? What is it about podcasting specifically? So. When I first heard about podcasting, I had no interest, Hmm. Um, not even as a listener. It's like, no, this is not, this is not my cup of tea. Although I loved listening to um, books. Yeah. Because I have ADHD and I actually can't sit and focus. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been fidgeting this whole time. (laughs) (laughs) I can't sit and focus without a distraction. So for me to sit there and work, I have to have something that's more than music. If I know it has to be music I've never heard, if I know it, then it's not a distraction. It's just status quo. And I I just see squirrels and I just get off on tangents. But eventually someone introduced me to My Favorite Murder. Mm, I've heard of that. Yes, yes, yes. So we met through a friend. She 
um, was talking about some new case that was solved or something. And I've always been into true crime. So of course I hear that and I peeked yeah. up. Like, <laughs> we're going to talk about murder right now. And so she told me about it and I was like, Ugh, podcasts just aren't for me. I, it was one of those, I'd never really looked into it. So I just was like, no. And after a while, when I first moved here to Idaho, um, my kids were with me and their dad was in Nevada, which is their touching states, but it was still like a five hour drive to meet at the halfway point. So she had told me about that. I couldn't get any books because I was all out of credits. So I decided to download a bunch of their podcasts so that I could listen because in Nevada, there's a lot of um, dead space where you can't get radio. Right. There's no chance to. Yeah. Yep. So drove down there with the kids, didn't listen to it, obviously. (laughs) And then once I turned around and came back, I started listening to it and Um, I really like them because, and I started from one, they were like three years in by then, but I started from the first one. Right. And they were people and they talked about their life and you really get to know them. And like you said, you picture your best friend behind the mic, Yeah. but they were two friends talking to each other. So it was like, they were face, I don't know, the way it felt to me was like, they were talking to me. Yeah. And I was now in their friend group. So that really helped me. And then I just started binging and listening to everything. And one thing that they're really big into is therapy. Okay. Yeah. They talk about um, their sessions in therapy and what they've learned. And at the time I was in the middle of a divorce Right. Moved to a new state, didn't know anyone. Right. That's a lot to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. So after a few years of listening to them, I got into therapy myself. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've heard other people do it, but I attribute 100% that I went to therapy because of MFM, <laughs> a murder discussion podcast. <laughs> and it literally changed my life. Mm. So having that big of an impact on me, just talking about true crime with Mm. a couple of friends, I mean, they throw out book recommendations that are just fun and also on topic and stuff, but yeah, it really feels like you made a friend. And then once I ran out of their episodes, I started looking around and it's just a wealth of information. Yeah. And I love learning. And it was a new way for me to keep myself focused, but still learn a bunch of information. Hmm. And it has what we covered earlier. It has a diversity. I listen to men and women and minorities and LGBTQ. And I learn about things that I never even knew existed. So it's just this huge platform. So that's, that's what got me into podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) But the reason that I want to do a podcast is twofold. The first one is I'm super passionate 
about women in STEM and business. I feel that we bring something different to the table than men, just like men bring something different to women uh, dominated fields. Absolutely. Yeah. And minorities bring something different into whatever group that they're entering. Mm. And it's super important for me to do that. And I have four kids myself Mm -hmm. and I know the stereotypes that were fed having lived it and having raised children. I see how my kids are taught to differently, how uh, society like TV shows and movies portray them differently. And um, I started working with my daughter about, I'm like, hey, why don't you go into STEM? Why don't you do engineering? And it, it became really clear that because I started this later, she already had the conditioning of, oh, I'm not good in math. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm a caregiver. I should go into teaching. And all of these things are true about her. Right. Except the math. I'm sorry. She is good at math. (laughs) It comes harder for her, but she is good at it. But Yeah. yeah, so I started seeing that it starts younger Mm. and we need to get to people younger. And Mm. I know that with myself because I never thought I would get into anything besides manual or just stereotypical female roles until I was older. And like you saw other women doing it. So I found podcasting is a way to reach a younger generation and let them know that it's out there and they can start at whatever age. Well, certainly now, the younger generation, I mean, they are so technologically savvy. Like it's second nature for them. And things like podcasts, YouTube, any any of these things, kid, kids get it. They totally get it. So it's a brilliant way to get hold of them and say, hey, you know, here's some information. It's fantastic. Yeah, so I just, I wanted to reach out and make sure that more people can hear Mm. from the women. I know that a lot of women write books, but I notice a lot of the people who buy them and listen to, or because I'm usually listening, but listen to or read them are similar demographic. Yeah. So this is very much... Because it's not visual, I feel like it reaches more people. Yes. Because there's not the, I'm going to look for this specific, I mean, they do have to look for the genre because it's women in male-dominated fields. But, you know, it's it's a lot easier to commit to a 30-minute or one-hour podcast to hear at one time than to buy a book <laughs> and commit days. Well, also, so you think of a movie, a TV show, or a book, you have to stop what you're doing and literally concentrate on that one thing. You can't do anything else. Mm -hmm. Whereas with podcasting, with radio, you can be knitting and listening. You can be eating dinner and listening. You can be doing the dishes and listening. Mm -hmm. And I think people find that easier. I mean, I know for me, like if my daughter says, do you want to watch a movie? I think, 
oh, I don't know, because I kind of want to play a game. And if I play a game, I can't really look up at the movie and I need to do the. Whereas if she said, oh, there's this really great podcast, I could think, oh, okay, well, I'll take it into the kitchen. And while I'm cooking dinner, I could be listening to it. Yep. So, yeah, it is a lot easier to get people's attention when it's audio. Right. Plus, it's free. It's and it's free. Yeah, it's available to anyone with internet access or a phone. Yeah, which is pretty much everyone. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. that means it will reach the people that can't afford to go out and buy a book. Yep. 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 There's that as well. It's mm-hmm. I, I'm so glad for my friend, Amy, that introduced me to podcasts because I really do think I love the platform and I love what it does. So, all righty. You got anything else? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. So I am grateful for your friend, Amy, because she introduced you to podcasting, which means that I now get to know you. Yes. There you go. There <laughs> I you agree. Go. I yeah. was- so excited when you reached out to me so excited I literally text I did I text my sister and I ran out to my husband and I'm like I used to talk to Georgie from she's in the UK (laughs) perfect and I really do appreciate you reaching out (laughs) I appreciate you saying yes I'm so excited I think this is awesome because we do we need to celebrate each other absolutely fantastic yay (laughs) all righty so where can everyone find you do you have obviously you have an online um show but do you have an online presence where you want people reaching out to you or do you have a group facebook the best way to so i have an instagram account which is dj georgie sorry it's dj underscore georgie girl and that's G-E-O-R-G-Y-G-I-R-L. So that's my Instagram. That's probably the best way to find what I do because I post links to my shows and two shows a week, but also like if if it's late for you or if you can't make it, all the shows are archived. So you can listen to them forever and they're always there. And nice. that's Wednesdays and Fridays. But yeah, Instagram, DJ underscore Georgie Girl. Sweet. I'll make sure to link that in the, and your website that your show's on. I'll make sure to link that in the description of the podcast. Actually, one more thing I would like to say. Yeah. Since we started Sheena's Jungle Room three and a half years ago, mm-hmm. I am not the only woman. There are six other incredible female DJs. So go and check them out as well because they rock. Awesome. So how many DJs do you have in total? That's a really good question. I think it's like 29 now, 28. I can't, I can't, so many new ones are joining all the time. Mm -hmm. And I can't be right. No, that's how many shows we've got. I can't remember. It's, it's a lot. (laughs) Well, even with that number, I hate Mm -hmm. to point it out, but there are seven women. Yes, we need more. Yes. Join us if you have passion message me dm me and i can have a word with the station people well, do you only work in the uk or is it all over the world because it's online how does that it's all over the world we have so we've got british djs we've got a dutch dj we've got ones who are in canada we have one in japan 
Japan, we have ones in Australia, and we have ones in the US. Because we're on the internet, so you can be anywhere, you can be in space, and it would work. Yeah. I, I was wondering about that. And, you know, if one good thing, there's a couple things I think that came from COVID, but one good thing is expanding who we're able to work with. Yes. We have the entire world at our fingertips. Being able to work with them has, I'm, I'm sure it has changed how you look at things and do things at work. So talking, we, we, we talk to each other more because we suddenly had zoom and we thought, Oh yeah. Facebook messenger, that's got a video. And we've all been talking to each other and connecting with each other more. So yeah, definitely a a nice aspect to it. All righty. You got anything else you want to chat about? Uh, That's one of those questions. As soon as you ask it, your mind just goes, Bye-bye. Yep. <laughs> Celebrate women more. Celebrate each other. We are sisters and we need to link arms and we need to lift each other up. For sure. Yeah. And not just women that look like you. <laughs> no, all women. All, all of women. Us. Yeah. If you see a woman in the street doing something amazing, go up to her and say, girl, you rock. That's it. That's what you need to do. Yep. Empower each other. I love it. Yeah. And I am seriously so excited to have met you, Georgie. <laughs> I feel exactly the same. I'm so thrilled. Awesome. Well, I will definitely keep you on my Facebook and I'm going to look you up on Instagram now and start following you. But <laughs> all right. It was really good um, speaking with you, and I'm going to go ahead and stop recording unless you got something else. Just huge hugs to everybody and just be kind to one another. I agree. All right. Thanks, Georgie. Bye. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you had as much fun as I did. If you liked this, please rate, review, and subscribe to ensure that you can more easily find me in the future. Thank you again. Bye. We got the right stuff.